Welcome to the Ashley and Jessicast. I started this podcast because of my love for Jessica and Ashley Simpson, but due to the support of my amazing listeners, I have been able to expand to other topics as well to feed my pop culture obsession and yours. Join me as we time travel through some of the most interesting figures in music, movies, TV, and beyond. I'm your host, Leah Russo. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Ashley and Jessica cast. This is part 11 of my JC Shazay series. I am in shock. I cannot believe that I've been working on this project for a year because I started researching in January, February of 2023. And I know I say this all the time, but I still, I just can't believe everything that's happened because if you told January, February 2023, Leah, oh, you'll be meeting JC this year. You'll be going to the VMAs and seeing NSYNC reunite. I would have just said, you're a very mean person. Why are you saying impossible things to me? (laughs) Why are you getting me so excited about something that is not going to happen? And yet those things did happen. And that's because of the series. And it just really goes to show that if you're passionate and you work really hard on something, stuff beyond your wildest dreams will manifest and will happen to you. And I have to thank all of you guys for listening. Now, this is not the last episode of the JC series. This is the penultimate episode, but I still just want to say thank you so much for listening to this series. I know a lot of you guys have listened to every single episode. I originally conceptualized this to be four episodes. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm in denial. I don't know myself, obviously. Actually, I do remember what I was thinking. I wanted the first episode because I really wanted it to focus on his solo career. So I wanted the first episode to be Childhood, Mickey Mouse Club, and NSYNC. Just not breaking down NSYNC as much as I ended up doing that and just putting that in one episode and then doing episode two, Schizophrenic. Episode three, Story of Kate. Episode four, the rest of his life. But, you know, we just had to get deeper into it. We just had to look at things a little closer. And I'm just really appreciative of you guys. I feel like I've found my people because you also like in-depth, detailed podcast episodes that you can really sink your teeth into. And in this episode, we are going to be looking at JC's career post the story of Kate. So that is from 2008 onward. I am going to do one more episode in this series to finish things out and that is going to be about the return of NSYNC. So I will talk about everything that happened in 2018 and onward with the group and then of course ending with Better Place. I was hoping by now there'd be a tour announcement or something like that so we could really end with a bang but unfortunately that didn't happen yet. However, you never know what can happen tomorrow. I had two days notice that I was gonna see JC So you really don't know. You really want to keep your options open, guys. You just don't know what's going to happen to you. But 
I'm also going to do a couple Patreon bonus episodes on JC. There's already one up, but there's just some fun stuff that we can get into. So that's patreon.com slash Ashley and Jessicast. I've had my Patreon for a while now. So if you join, there's like 65 episodes that you'll get to listen to. So if you have a long flight or something, sign her up. Just do it because it's very helpful. <laughs> you'll have so much content. And I also have videos on there. I have extended episodes, ad-free episodes. So I hope you guys will check it out. And yeah, let's just get into JC after Kate. JC's career after the story of Kate was not released is actually super interesting because he really has dipped his toe into so many different waters, some of which were successful and some of which were not. There's a lot of highs and some lows that are actually really painful, but I think it just makes JC even more relatable to the rest of us because yes, he had this big success right out the gate with MMC and then that led him to NSYNC and he was in the fastest selling group of all time. It's just amazing. It's shocking. And then the rest of his career, there's some situations in there that you look at and you're just like, that's so unfair or that shouldn't have happened. Some of that we've already talked about with his solo albums, Schizophrenic and Kate, but he has tried so many different endeavors and I'm so proud of him. He really is a great showman. <laughs> I'm not even trying to reference that movie or anything. I just mean he is a multifaceted, multi-talented entertainer. I think it's really great the way that he's been able to expand his original idea of what his career might be into all of these different venues. He's not afraid to take risks. He's not afraid to fail. And I think that that's such a powerful thing. And I think that that's something that we could all stand to do more often, just not be so afraid of pivoting. I think that's one of the most important things as someone in the entertainment industry. You have to know how to pivot because it is such a hard business. I mean, obviously, if somebody as talented as JC can't get an awesome album like Kate out or if he can't succeed at some of the other things that he's tried and he's that talented just imagine how it is for the rest of us <laughs> I mean it really is crazy to even be in this business or try anything in this business that's why I admire anybody who does it and JC could have made a lot of easy money just profiting off the NSYNC thing especially these last few years that Y2K has really been the it thing and Gen Z has become obsessed with it I am sure that he must get very interesting offers and I'm really proud of him for staying authentic and true to himself so when we last left off JC was starring on America's Best Dance Crew as a judge now, this is 2008, so it's right in the thick of all the reality TV competition shows and their popularity. Randy Jackson from American Idol was the producer of this show, but instead of singers competing, it was dance crews. So it was groups of dancers, and JC was a judge for seven seasons of this show. I find that shocking. I mean, it wasn't seven years, it was 2008 through 2012, but still, that's 
a job he got really cozy with. He must have really enjoyed the gig because he kept renewing that contract every single time. I have to admit that this show was not something that I watched religiously, but it was just nice that JC was on TV consistently and you could turn on MTV and there he was again <laughs> for the first time in a while. And I really enjoyed watching him as a judge because he was very honest. He was never rude, of course. He didn't play the whole Simon Cowell game of being a shockingly nasty person or anything like that, but he really would tell it like it is because he took the whole situation seriously. He really wanted to help these kids, especially because just a few short years prior, he was one of those kids, right? Except with him, it was even harder because he had to sing live and do all the routines. So I think that he was an invaluable member of the judging panel. Like, I think he could have basically judged it himself. I'm not kidding. I think he did such a good job. In 2008, JC was on live with Regis and Kelly to talk about the show. And here is what he said about what makes America's Best Dance Crew special. You know, I, I'm, again, I'm really excited about the show that, that I'm on because it's, it has a very different dynamic from a lot of the other dance shows. A lot of them are based on individual talents. Mm -hmm. This is a team sport, like almost mm -hmm. like football or basketball, which you get a camaraderie, um, and if somebody else falls, you, you get to watch the story of somebody getting picked up. And every crew that you mm -hmm. see, you're not looking at one story, you're getting at least Five background stories. One of our dancers is deaf this year. Right. One of our, like, mm. one, I mean, there's just some really, really incredible stories. I really love this interview, too, because they start out by talking about the Jonas Brothers, who you guys know I'm obsessed with. They were really huge at the time. This was during their crazy popularity. And it's so funny because Mark Consuelos, who's filling in for Regis that day, that's Kelly's husband, he asks if JC is jealous when he sees the Jonas Brothers out there living what he had lived before, which I think was kind of a stupid question because JC's been there, done that. But I don't know, maybe he was coming from the perspective of you used to be one of the biggest pop stars in the world and now you're just hosting a competition show. Like, I feel like it was kind of rude almost, but I love JC's response, so I'm going to play it. You recently had the Jonas Brothers on. Yes, yeah, right. They're great. It was very reminiscent, oh. I think. Yeah. Of... You told me that there were girls lined up for all that slept here. Yeah. And they, yeah. they couldn't get in. They watched it on the TV through mm -hmm. the lobby and were crying as soon as they could. Does it remind yeah. you of your, of your days? And... Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. I'm, I'm excited for these guys. You know, mm -hmm. I, I love that there's a, there's a bit of a, uh, excitement injected again into the music industry. Do you really? Just, are you I jealous? Do, I'm not no. jealous at all. <laughs> Bro, come on, man. I've had my fun. You're you right. know what I mean? And I, I'm, I consider myself very fortunate yeah. in yeah, life. Yeah, no, and, and I'm thankful every day for, for everything that, that, that is bestowed upon me. And, and I get excited. I mean, again, it's exciting for me to see a new generation, yeah. I would say, right. excited about something mm -hmm. again. Because, you know, for me, I, it's more, it's not jealousy thing, it's reminiscent. It's like, yeah. uh, I know what they're going through. What, right. what were some of those things you went through? I mean, do you, what do you miss about those days? Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I guess I just, uh, I don't, for me, it's about performing. You know what I right. mean? It, it, that's, my, that's my passion. You know, right. I, I care about performances and, and that's also why I'm having such a fun uh, time doing the show now is I'm passing on some of that knowledge. You're mentoring. Uh, sure. In a way, yeah. He's adorable and so lovely on every single interview that he did for this. And you know, this really was a good show. I think it was great that people that are just purely dancers got to be put into the spotlight because usually 
that's not the case. Most people can't name like five famous dancers, like five people that are just known as being dancers, you know, unless they're on Dancing with the Stars or something like that. It's actors or musicians that get the spotlight. When in reality, dancers are such a huge part of the stage shows that we see. I mean, I think about the Eras Tour and how absolutely great all of the dancers that perform with her are. Like as amazing as she is by herself, I really don't think that show would be as entertaining without the dancers. I mean, they're phenomenal. JC said, America's best dance crew to me is an opportunity for an entire culture to be exposed on a national stage. These performers are not necessarily celebrated and a lot of them deal with a lot of tough issues in life. A lot of times they don't come from the greatest circumstances and this is their chance to show the world that they have something exceptional inside of them. JC is the sweetest as usual, and he also was not afraid to stand up for the performers that he felt deserved praise, especially when other people on the panel were not speaking so nicely about those performers. So there was another judge on the show named Dietrich, and he had a dance background, so of course he was also very qualified to be a judge. And there was this one group performing. So on America's Best Dance Crew, you know how on American Idol, they would have like themes every week. It would be like movie week, you know, sing a song from a movie or whatever. So that happened on America's Best Dance Crew too. So the theme this week was build a wall, which is (laughs) not even going to go there. But basically like with your dance crew, like build a wall of people and then break it or whatever, you know? And so Dietrich just did not think that they did a good job with their wall and didn't think that their dancing was like technically good enough, like sharp and clean moves. And JC is talking about how they're great performers and a lot of the time that's more important than having perfect technical dance moves. And I completely... I could not agree more. So I'm not going to play the whole fight. I'm not going to play everything that Dietrich says because mm, this is a JC series. Let's be honest. But that's basically what he claims. And then Lil Mama, who's the other judge, she counteracts him and just basically like doesn't agree at all. Like she's totally hyping up the group. And then JC just really lays it on thick. JC. Yeah, um, I I actually, Dietrich, with all due respect, I disagree with you a lot, actually, um, because... I have to say, look, developmentally, I understand some of the things that you're identifying with. I will say, boys, the wall, it was a bit ABC. That's the truth of the matter. But when you say the whole routine, you didn't like it. Come on, man. Don't be a crackhead. Like, seriously. Time out. Time out. I want you guys to understand this real quick. Because this would have been a totally different story if these kids were in their 20s. And the kids that are here in their 20s, they have to work just as hard. I will agree. The choreography is clean. But... If it's at an intermediate level, it's easier to clean it. You guys just have to think more on formations. And I promise you, you guys will go a lot further in life. Again, I disagree with you. And I'm going to tell you why. It's a performance. It's about playing the crowd. It's not always about hitting something clean. It's not always just about doing something that somebody else doesn't do. Sometimes it's about giving the crowd what they want. It's a performance. No, it's like you took the performance aspect out of the dance routine. Like, they perform. These kids. JC, give them your thing so we can move on. No, no. What I was agreeing with him on is that the task was a bit ABC. But when it came to the other aspects of the routine, you hit it clean, but you also perform to the crowd. And we can't forget to play the crowd. They're the ones that want to watch you. So when you give them what they want, Nick, when you come in the middle and you get a little slick, Madison, when you hit them with smooth dance steps, I still say I enjoy the routine. Thank you, judges. 
So I'm really surprised that JC said, don't be a crackhead. Like, I think that is so out of character for him. He usually doesn't snap at people like that. And that's kind of a low blow, like calling somebody a crackhead. And I just think that that's crazy. Like, he must have been really a lot more mad than he even looked. Like, he definitely was keeping his cool. But at the same time, to call somebody a crackhead, I was like, oh, my God, JC. So it is funny, though, because sometime later, it was the complete opposite. So JC gave some tough criticism on a group, and then Dietrich felt the exact opposite, and he was like, the performance was amazing. And he said, JC, don't be a crackhead. So (laughs) I felt like they were able to work it out that way and kind of balance it out. This show really helped out MTV, which was holding on for dear life at this point. Remember, this is before Jersey Shore kind of revived things there for a little while. So MTV was struggling. Like one of the only shows that they had that people cared about was The Hills. I mean, it was just not a good time, right? Listen to this. So when the finale aired... So many articles came out about how impressive the ratings were. So the Futon critic wrote, Hip-hop dance dominated Thursday night television as the live finale of MTV's smash hit series Randy Jackson Presents America's Best Dance Crew served all broadcast and cable competition with a 4.34 rating among ages 12 to 34, averaging 7.9 million total viewers. That's massive for an MTV show. That's like insane. In a first for the cable network, more than 38 million votes were cast for a single event on a reality series. That's insane. That's insane. This show did incredibly well. This was definitely one of the bigger successes of JC's post-Kate career. JC was still working on writing and producing for other artists, and he was also selling the songs that he had written for Kate to other artists as well, at least some of them. He even went into the studio with David Archuleta and produced a version of You Ruined Me that David did not end up releasing. Thank God! I'm sorry, but that is JC's song top to bottom, honey. Nobody else can sing that song like he can. But JC did end up writing and producing a song called Don't Let Go for David Archuleta that came out this year on his self-titled album. Now, JC's obviously worked on a ton of songs behind the scenes, so I'm not going to be able to talk about all of them in this episode, but as Anna from This Must Be Pop was saying in the previous episode, she actually made a playlist of all or at least most of the songs that JC has written or produced that are on Spotify, and I'm going to include that playlist in the show notes for you guys so you can go listen to a bunch of songs that JC's been a part of, and if you would like to support him you can even buy them on itunes that would be a really good way to pay for something so that when you're listening to the kate tracks you don't feel too bad about it this song don't let go it's not my favorite but the chorus i just wish i could hear the original demo so that i could hear jc sing that chorus go listen to it you'll know exactly what i mean i can hear him sing it in my mind but i want the real thing On November 18th, 2008, we got a Joshton is real moment. You guys know how much I love Joshton. And it was on the finale of Total Request Live. 
called Total Finale Live, which was like a three-hour special stacked with celebrities. I mean, Justin and JC were there, which was obviously a big deal. They didn't do a lot of public appearances. Justin almost never acknowledged in sync whatsoever. So it was just really cool to see the two of them. I remember hearing about this and tuning in and my Justin loving heart was just exploding. Beyonce performed. There were a bunch of other performances too. Hillary Duff was there and Taylor Swift was there as well. There's actually a photo of Hillary Duff, Taylor Swift, and JC, which is just, <laughs> that's just a lot for my brain. I'm like, wow, name a better trio. I'll wait. So, and I wonder how JC felt about this. It must have been emotional to be there for the end of TRL because Instinct was really there at the beginning of TRL. I believe it premiered in 1998, and that is also the first time that Instinct was on it. So it's just, crazy that JC was there at the very beginning of it and he was also there at the very end of it. So in 2009, Michael Jackson passed away and I think we all remember that unless you're super young, but it was a moment that just shocked the world because he wasn't sick. He was training actually for his final tour that he had announced and he was literally at rehearsal the night before his death. I mean, it was it was just so shocking. So I imagine it was even tougher for somebody like JC who knew him a little bit. So JC actually wrote a piece for Time Magazine talking about Michael. And here's what he wrote. You were always used to seeing Michael Jackson on stage and performing. It was a very different experience to be sitting on a couch having a relaxed conversation with him. The guy was incredibly nice, gracious, wanted to make sure everyone had everything they wanted or needed. A wonderful host. People didn't necessarily look at him as a person. They looked at him as an action figure. Wow, that's a loaded statement right there. You said a mouthful on that one, JC. We talked about music because that was our common ground, but he was more interested about how we felt about what we were going through. Being popular and carrying a heavy workload, you get to the point where you're doing shows five and six days a week with travel and press between that. It's a lot, and nobody knew that better than him because he had been doing it since he was six years old. It's always chaos outside, but backstage, he was so gracious. He was happy that we were there and able to perform with him. Backstage, Instinct could hear Jackson doing vocal drills in the dressing room next door. They sounded ridiculous. They were like, gee, 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 gee. <laughs> to hear that was great for me as an artist to see that. But with Michael Jackson's tone on, that quick vibrato at the end of every note, that was so crazy. It was great for me as an artist to see that. He was doing vocal drills for an hour before he went out. His voice was not something that magically appeared out of him. The guy worked hard for it. 40 years old, and the guy is warming up for an hour before every show. He wanted to give that audience the best he had. There are plenty of people who just go out and sing and let the first two songs warm them up, but he cared. He cared about every note that came out of his mouth when he was on stage. That's saying something. I feel like this just means so much coming from JC because JC isn't a bullshitter or a brown noser. He's not the type of person to just say something about somebody because they're rich and famous and he wants to be remembered as the person's friend or something like that. So I find this very profound. On October 30th, 2009, a movie called 21 and Wake Up was released and JC had a small role in it. It's actually a war film, which I find really interesting because JC had done mostly 
if not all, comedic acting before this. So it seemed like he was interested in possibly doing more dramatic acting. This film has a really unique distinction because it was the first American film about the Vietnam War that was allowed to shoot on location in Vietnam after the war. So think about the gravity of that. That's a really big deal. JC played a doctor and he wears the uniform and everything. He's looking good as always. And then after this, we really don't hear that much from JC aside from America's Best Dance Crew related appearances. But in 2010, MTV News published an article about JC that is as follows. Singer J.C. Chazay has made a triumphant return to the buzz of the nation. He displayed a stunning act of badassery yesterday after a burglar attempted to break into his Hollywood Hills home. Crazily enough, it was reported that this all went down while J.C. was home. Apparently, he called 911 after someone tried to break a window in the home in an apparent attempt to get inside the house. J.C. then heard the noise, approached the perp, and proceeded to blow him up, not with his love. <laughs> but with his words. Reportedly, the subject then swiftly fled the scene. Unfortunately, he got away. Go JC, we think it's rad that you were all, oh no, hell no, you're not going to get in sync with my valuables. Your transition from boy bander to full-on crime-averting badass is totally commendable. We're calling you next time we sense a crime teetering dangerously on the precipice of being committed. You're certainly not blasé when it comes to uninvited guests at Casa Chazé. Okay, we'll stop with the J.C. Chazé puns. What do you think about J.C.'s heroic display of self-defense? Tell us in the comments. Now you can tell that there was not a lot of J.C. news around this time, right? The fact that I even read that, but I just thought it was funny. Some comic relief because we have some sad things coming up. So JC was enjoying the quiet life and though he was frequently doing interviews to promote America's Best Dance Crew, he usually stuck to doing the radio. He just wasn't out and about as much. And here he is talking about his newfound quiet life. How have ABDC changed you as a person and judge and other people performances? performances? Uh, it hasn't really changed me as a person that much, but it's what it has done is it's kind of brought me back to the dance community, you know, and which I love. The first thing I ever did in public was a dance competition. That's the first thing I ever did. And, you know, then it went, it went from there to television and then into, you know, the NSYNC and the touring thing. And then, uh, and then I kind of started focusing on television and music again. And this has given me an opportunity to, to again, immerse myself in the in the very beginning of, of my performing career, and that's dance. And that's been kind of the greatest gift that ABDC has given me. Would you ever uh, go back to doing touring or making, you know, making new music? It's tough to say. Like, I'm, me personally, my heart at this moment in time just really isn't into the whole touring and performing thing. It, it, you know, that, that life just, it takes a lot out of you. And the, the, you know, essentially the world has changed between the, all the media sites that cover everything from, you know, every aspect of your life now. Uh, I'm not necessarily as interested in that kind of lifestyle. I, I actually really, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I, I still write and produce, so I'm still able to be creative. I'm still able to share music with people and things like that. And that's very gratifying to me, but I don't necessarily have to, you know, be followed everywhere I go and and that's 
kind of the way I prefer it, to be perfectly honest. It's got to feel good to sleep in your own bed at night instead of being on a tour bus. People think, you know, fame is glamorous. Look, if you like attention, then it's perfect for you. But, you know, other than that, it's actually a really, really difficult life. I mean, people say, oh, they wear expensive clothes or they drive nice cars and things like that. But they only get to do that X amount of days out of the year because the rest of the time you're in a bus, you're in a smelly locker room that's called your dressing room every day. But, you know, essentially the places that you're playing, they're great when you're out on stage, but you're only out on stage for an hour and a half, two hours. The rest of the time you're being transported somewhere. You're not sleeping. You know, you're in, like I said, a locker room. So it's not necessarily as glamorous as everybody makes it out to be. So you may remember that during the Kate era, JC worked with the Backstreet Boys, and he went on to work with AJ McLean in 2010 for his solo album called Have It All. Now, they did two songs that ended up on the album together. The first one is Teenage Wildlife, which ended up being AJ's one and only single from this album. I really like this song. Despite the animal metaphors being a little cheesy, I love the intensity of this song. And I have to admit, as much as I love AJ, you guys know that I call the Backstreet Boys AJ and guests, which don't get mad at me, Backstreet Boys fans. I just really love AJ. (laughs) But I like JC's demo better where he's singing it. That is available on YouTube. However, AJ is a phenomenal vocalist, and I really think with the correct promotion, this song could have been a moderate hit. I'm not saying it would have been number one, but the music video for this is one of the worst music videos I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I can't even believe that someone on AJ's level who has made truly great videos before with the Backstreet Boys would ever accept this as the video for his first single of his first solo album. Like, it's absurdly bad, but that's not JC's fault. (laughs) This song samples Somebody Told Me by The Killers, and it definitely sounds to me like the contemporary rock music that was popular around like 2004, 2005. Not just The Killers, but Jet muse even modest mouse so it's just a shame that it didn't have a better team behind it for the marketing and the video and live performances and all that kind of stuff but jc does sing background on it and he co-wrote co-produced and played the drums on track seven of this album which is called love crazy now this song is so out there it's clearly sonically very inspired by late 50s early 60s rock and roll and the lyrics are just so overtly sexual i mean we expect this at this point from jc after schizophrenic but it's just kind of shocking because it just doesn't sound like it's going to be that type of song and then you hear the lyrics and you're like oh okay at one point aj says shut up let's sex just let's sex (laughs) like what I'm sorry, I don't care if you're as hot as AJ. If you say to me, let's sex, we will not be sexing. It's just, that's the most awkward thing I've ever heard. So this song to me is not as much of a slay as Teenage Wildlife, but I just love that, in my opinion, the most talented member of each group got together and worked on something. 
So one of the reasons that it was such a big deal that I got lucky enough to see JC sing live in Ojai last year is because after the schizophrenic tour, seeing this man sing is an incredibly rare occasion. Incredibly. And it's something that you often can't plan in advance for because it's usually a surprise appearance or something that he doesn't announce. And thank God we are in the digital age where things get recorded and then we get to watch them later. So I will be mentioning some of the rare performances that JC did in this episode. And in 2011, we actually got a few good ones. So JC shares management with Matthew Morrison, who played Mr. Shu on Glee. And Matthew was developing a solo career at this point. So he was doing a show at the Beacon Theater and he asked JC to come on stage and perform with him because he wanted to sing This I Promise You. Now, (laughs) Matthew is a very bold individual to sing the first verse of This I Promise You and be followed by JC. I would never want to be followed by JC. I'm too smart for that, okay? I'm a good singer, but It's not the same, okay? It's just not the same. I mean, wow, the confidence that Matthew Morrison had. I'm not trying to diss him, but it's just, it just doesn't sound right to hear him singing it. Like when JC comes in, it's just so much, it's like, oh, thank you. It's it's like, this is, this is what it is, you know? This is what it is. But we will never diss Matthew, and here's why. He got JC to come up on stage and perform a goddamn song. We had not heard this, I promise you, live since 2002, okay? That was unacceptable. That was not okay. And Matthew Morrison brought it back into our lives. Thank you, Matthew. (laughs) And they also sung Journey's Don't Stop Believin' together, which was awesome because that was the big hit of the time with Glee. Like, that was their biggest song, wasn't it? That and Somebody to Love. Maybe a few other ones that I'm forgetting. I fell off the Glee horse. I only really watched the first season, maybe part of the second season, and then the Britney episode, obviously, but I was not a Gleek. I honestly was not. (laughs) Like, that show just did not do it for me after a while. But we love Matthew for dragging JC on the stage and forcing him uh, at gunpoint to sing. No, I'm kidding. I don't want to make it sound like he hates it or something like that. I'm just joking, but it seems like it because, you know, when I saw him in Ojai, I was just so shocked because, I mean, I wasn't shocked at how good he sounded, but it was almost like he sounded even better than he ever had before. And I was just like, this is what you possess? Like, you have this talent and you just don't use it most of the time? It's shocking. I mean, it's like if Shakespeare was just like, I don't need to write plays. I respect whatever JC wants and whatever will make him happy. He deserves to have the life that he wants. But would it kill you to do an Ojai type of thing every few months, JC? I don't think so. The world needs it. The world needs you. (laughs) He just, his voice is so powerful and soulful and amazing. And every time people hear it, I think it really It's like a healing sound, you know? JC also collaborated with Matthew Morrison on his self-titled album, co-writing the songs Hey and Don't Stop Dancing. And we have another person to thank here because in 2011, we 
got to see JC perform this I Promise You again, this time with the writer of the song, Richard Marks, who also wrote Right Here Waiting, which was JC's audition song on the Mickey Mouse Club, aka his first audition that I was talking about where he got the job right away. And so it was another full circle moment for him because JC had said that even just recording and putting out this I Promise You was a full circle moment because it had been written by Richard. So I imagine that performing the song with him years after it had come out and been a successful single for NSYNC was also a surreal experience. All these performances are on YouTube, by the way. Guess what, guys? We got a third appearance and performance from JC in 2011. We were living. I mean, we were really eating good this year. He performed the Cyndi Lauper song, True Colors, at the Trevor Live Benefit on December 4th, which was for the Trevor Project, which is an amazing organization that was founded in 1998 that focuses on suicide prevention efforts among LGBTQ plus youth. JC actually was doing charity work left and right. He's just obviously not loud about it because that's his personality and we love that. And anytime it involves a live performance, it's even better because it's not just helping the people that the charity is donating to, it's helping me and my soul and all of us. Some other releases from around this time that JC was involved with is a song called Hard to Stay by Celia. This is without a doubt one of the best songs that JC has written or produced for another artist. I absolutely love it. And if I was not so super busy with constantly researching for a million different episodes of this podcast, I would have already did some research on her and listened to her album and everything because this is, to me, worlds better than what he did with David Archuleta and Matthew Morrison. Like, those are good, but this is evolution for him. This is him stepping into a different genre, doing something that people would not really associate the guy from NSYNC with. And as sad as it makes me that he isn't out there more with his own voice and his own music and album... I have to smile when I hear something like this because it makes me realize that he probably wouldn't have the time to explore and experiment and meet new interesting artists that inspire him in different ways. And speaking of meeting new artists that inspire him, he also did a song called Better Than Love with Miho Fukuhara. Now, this is the person that ended up inspiring him and Jimmy Harry to start their own girl group. And not just any girl group, but a super girl group. Now, we're going to talk about that in just a minute because I'm doing this in chronological order. So that girl group doesn't come along until 2013. But in 2012, he did two songs with Christina Maria, who is a singer and a songwriter. She she is a pop R&B artist, and she was hooked up with the guys from Sweden that JC has obviously known for years from working with them originally with NSYNC. Now, the first song that he did with her, he didn't sing on, 
It's just co-written by him, and it's called FML Times Two. This is not the song for me. I just (laughs) – you guys know I'm always honest. I'm not just going to say I love it because it's JC. It's not for me. Now, the other song, JC not only sings on, but he has a very significant part of the song. I mean, he sings a lot on it, full verses. He sounds amazing, and I like this song a lot more. In fact, I think – It's probably a reject off of Schizophrenic. It just has that sound to me. I think it would have fit in pretty well on his album. And I wonder why he wouldn't have found a female artist to collab with and put it on Schizophrenic. Like, I think that could have been a nice little different thing to have a feature on there. But it's so disappointing Because there is a music video for this. It's on YouTube. You could go watch it. First of all, the video is a complete ripoff of Britney Spears' I'm a Slave for You. I mean, I'm guessing it was like an homage, a tribute, but it's just bad. Like, they're trying too hard. And it's really confusing, I feel like, for audiences that aren't stands because during one of JC's parts these half-naked men start dancing and at first you almost get the impression that one of them is the singer if you didn't know JC's voice and it's just so odd because there's just these full verses of this other person singing who's clearly not there and I just I assume it was JC's choice not to do the video but then why be the voice in the song. I don't know. I'm just such an all or nothing type of person. This would drive me insane. (laughs) I would be like, why are you singing on my song? We are not going to be in my video. And then it's going to be like, there's something missing from the video because there's no person singing this (laughs) with me. So it, you could hear the person, but not see the person. And for those who do recognize the voice and are going to say, Hey, isn't that JC from NSYNC? It's like, where is he? You know, I just think this was a misstep and I kind of feel bad for like everybody in this situation it's just kind of awkward like why is he not in the video but anyway I like the song the song's enjoyable go listen to it I think that anyone who likes schizophrenic will definitely appreciate this song so to kick off 2013 JC did a truly random performance but that's what we get in this era of JC's career you know we we have to take what we get he performed that song by the Lumineers that was the biggest song in the world at one point, the Ho Hey song, he performed that at the University of Southern California's Tri-Delta Sorority Monday meeting. Guys, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But it is online. So go listen to this because his cover is amazing. I mean, it's just such a shame. JC, if you're listening, can you just cover more stuff? Can you go to an open mic or something? I mean, I'm sure that these sorority girls had the thrill of their life when you showed up, but I don't know. I just think it would be so cool if he, like, grabbed a guitar and and went and did an open mic or something some night and did something like this because it's awesome to hear his voice on a song that is in a different style from what we're used to hearing him do. Now we are going to talk about the infamous girl radical. I don't really know how to look back on it now, to be honest. It's very indicative of JC's 
passion and his dedication and his artistry to be so inspired that you take on an extremely ambitious project that so many people, I'm sure, probably told him this isn't going to work. And you know what? Ultimately, it didn't really work. But I still admire JC so much for even trying. (laughs) I love people that go outside the box One of the reasons why I love JC is because he's always insisted on doing his own thing in this business, especially post-NSYNC. He doesn't follow trends and he is an innovator. And I think that truly with Girl Radical, he was trying to innovate and he was trying to bring something that had been popular overseas in Asia, which were super groups, and bring that to the US. It made perfect sense in a way, right? Because who better to start a new group revolution than a member of one of the most popular groups of all time. But it's flipped, right? He's not starting a boy band. That would be two on the nose. He's starting a girl group. But not just any girl group. We're not copying the Spice Girls or Destiny's Child or anything like that. We are actually bringing you something that if you are very American-centric when it comes to your music, you probably haven't heard of this concept or seen it before. Now, in Asia, to my knowledge, how the supergroups work is there's a large group of members, right? And depending on the song, the day, the performance, the whatever, the members switch out, okay? It's not like there's always 15 people in every music video, on every song, doing everything. And... (laughs) I've heard that one of the biggest supergroups in Japan, I think it was, was like 43 girls deep. (laughs) Like there were that many members of the group. So obviously like they all are not on every song and they're not performing at every concert. But they would switch them out, which I actually think is a really interesting way to keep audiences on their toes and to keep them interested maybe. But I'm surprised that JC wasn't just a little intimidated because he had been in a group of five people and it's really hard to get five people to agree on anything. People just think differently. So having five group members plus management plus the record label, etc. And that's a lot of minds that all have to agree on something. So... To have a girl group with the amount of members that Girl Radical had, I just don't understand how that's supposed to work. That alone, just it to me, it sounds like a nightmare. And that's why I really admire JC for even saying to himself, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for this. This is going to work. Like, I love that about him. But I think those of us on the outside, we saw it and we were kind of like, You know, like fans at the time, I think we were into it. We were down for it. I mean, for me, you guys know I'm always prepared to support whatever JC is working on at the time. It was just a little too much, I think. And I feel like the fans realized that before he realized it. So we were still trucking along. We were like, hell yeah, we support JC. But it was just a little too ambitious of a project. So... I was wrong, actually. The group that inspired Girl Radical, which had 11 members, was a group called JKT48 that had 48 members. So 
JC probably saw his number as very conservative. There's only 11 girls in the group. Still though, it was just too much. I remember when I would watch their videos, it was just too much to focus on, you know? I feel like five is the best number for a group. I even used to think that S Club 7 was kind of a lot. Like, don't get me wrong. I was a huge fan of them. I watched every episode of that TV show. I had their albums. Like, I love S Club 7, but... It's just a lot of people, right? Like it's a lot of people to each get a turn. It's a lot of people to focus on, to learn about, to invest in. It's just a lot. And five, I think, is the perfect number. Seven, if you have the right chemistry, it's all in the chemistry. And everything else, then yes, it works, which it did with them. But more than that, I'm like, girl, it's just a lot. So here's what the about section of the Girl Radical website said. Girl Radical was born of the radical idea to introduce the first supermassive American girl group. The only thing greater than these girls' talent is the charm of their personalities and their love for each other because Girl Radical isn't just an act, it's a family. Now, I could see how they would want it to grow into a family, but it was still a very new project, so were they really a family? I don't know, it just, that just comes off as very, like... Let's wrap up the episode of Full House really nicely here at the end in the last two minutes of a 20-minute episode. You know what I mean? It just kind of feels not earned yet. Inspired by the trend of giant girl groups in Japan, J.C. Shazay and Golden Globe winning Grammy-nominated songwriter Jimmy Harry searched for talent from all walks of life to assemble a phenomenal ensemble of singers, dancers, and personalities. The result was not just another pop group, but a game-changing wild card in modern music. Now, my opinion, if their music had been good, I'm sorry, JC, I love you so much. I love you so much. <laughs> but I'm honest on this podcast, and I would never want to be a fan that just tells you everything is 100% perfect. You seem like the person especially with creating onlyartist.com and stuff that would want genuine constructive criticism from fans. I just want everyone to know I love JC, okay? But I did not really like the Girl Radical music. I think that if the music had been amazing, then people just would have been like, oh, whatever, yeah, there's a lot of girls. It's like a little too much, but who cares? Like, I, I'll just listen to the song. I don't really care which one is singing or what their names are or anything like that because I'm just listening to the radio after work or something like that, you know? So the bio continues. These sweethearts are earning love from fans across the world, singing and dancing their way onto airwaves and computer screens all over. Despite the computer screens, that's like a very 50s way of selling a girl group. These sweethearts are earning love from fans. You know, it just sounds so innocent. Like, let's go get a malted milkshake at the sock hop or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? These sweethearts are earning love. It's just very... Uh, Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Do you guys know what I'm saying or am I just losing my mind? I don't know. Anyway, they are a community of dreamers who support one another and are always looking for new ways to express themselves. Part girl group, part flash mob. What? And all personality. Girl Radical is so much more than just another band. Join the Girl Radical family on our adventure to sing, dance, and do something radical for the world, and always remember that everyone and anyone can be a Girl Radical. I don't really like that either. Sorry I'm dissecting this copy from 10 years ago, but it just, I don't, I don't like that. Everyone and anyone can be a Girl Radical, I guess, but 
let's put the focus on these girls being special. Like, this bio doesn't even include their names or how many of them there are. <laughs> I need to know more about what I'm actually going to be watching and listening to, you know. So it turns out that JC and Jimmy had auditioned girls starting in March of 2012. The requirements were that you had to be 18 to 20 years old. I think that's really restrictive what you're if you're 21 that's too old I don't know I guess I mean one of their music videos definitely suggests that they were going for a younger 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 audience but I don't know I just feel like 20 is a super super young cutoff but the other requirements were that you had to sing and dance and live in the LA area so JC really wanted Girl Radical to be the whole package, like full choreography, good songs, and real vocalists who could sing them and sing live because NSYNC had always sung live, JC had always sung live, why would he want this to be any different? So on August 16th, 2013, Girl Radical released their first single via a YouTube video and it was for a cover of Just a Girl by No Doubt, which I assume everyone thought was really clever because they're girl radical and they're this huge girl group, but they're singing Just a Girl. I think that Just a Girl is one of the best songs of the 90s, maybe even one of the best songs of all time. It has a very tongue-and-cheek message. It's satire, obviously. I'm just a girl, so pretty and petite, so don't let me have any rights. Commenting on, of course, the way that women are treated in society. You know, I'm just a girl, little old me, don't let me out of your sight. You know, you never know what mischief I'll get up to, you know, that kind of attitude. And Gwen delivered it perfectly, no doubt killed this song. She had a way of delivering it that anyone could pick up on the sarcasm. I mean, I was six years old when that song came out and I got it at the time. I mean, I didn't full, like get it as much as I got it when I got older, but I got that she was being like, oh, poor me, I'm just a girl. That did register with me. The way that Girl Radical did this, it's just completely a different tone. It's just so weird. And the music video, it's obviously supposed to be a teaser single. It's not really supposed to be their actual first single, but still, it's just super, super low budget. It's them in front of a white background. That's it. It's just the girls in front of a white background, which in a way was good because there's so many girls to pay attention to in like a three minute span of time that it's kind of good that there's nothing else going on so that you could just look at their faces and be like okay there's so much happening and the cover like this isn't terrible or anything like that it just did not land for me and did not work for me side note if you want to see the hellish 2010s fashion this is the perfect video I'm not blaming the girls I'm not blaming JC because I know that the style of dress was popular at the time amongst a certain age group but it is probably the worst fashion I've seen in a video. Like, you know how they try to point out NSYNC's fashion on all the shows and say like, oh my god, I can't believe you guys wore this. To me, 90% of the time, NSYNC looked great and they do look kind of silly in some of the pieces now. But they don't, to me, represent terrible fashion because they were wearing what was trendy and what really worked at the time. I think they look so much better, though, in their late 90s, early 2000s fashion than these girls look in this video. Like, it's already such dated style. It's so funny. If you guys watch it, I swear, you will be taken right back to, like, Hot Topic in 2012. I, it's, it's just very of the time. 
So JC and Jimmy Harry did an interview with Billboard to introduce Girl Radical to the world. It says, Over the past year, Shazay and Harry have been hard at work assembling their team of female performers and bringing Girl Radical to life. In this first exclusive interview, Shazay walked Billboard through his vision for the pop endeavor. They asked how the group came about, and he said, Jimmy and I have been friends for many years, and we're always writing and submitting things for different artists. We always talked about starting a project from scratch, but we didn't know what it was going to be. One day we ended up working with this Japanese artist, and she showed us this thing called AKB48. Basically, it's a Japanese group that started with 48 members and has fluctuated anywhere from 48 to 60. We saw one of their music videos, and I was blown away. It was like this army on stage performing and I've always been attracted to the spectacle. The next day we went back into the studio to start writing another song. I was like we should build our own pop group but in our own way and Jimmy agreed. JC also revealed that even though they already had 11 members of the group, they were thinking that 21 might be the magic number but that it was constantly evolving. Billboard asked if there were plans to do a full album with Girl Radical and take them on the road. And JC said, absolutely. First, we're releasing the cover and we'll get America's take on it. We want to let people talk to us because we've been in the bubble for a year trying to put all these pieces together, trying to figure out how to make this many voices work and learning to make these formations work. Coming from my pop background, I'm very much a perfectionist, so I want to make sure that it's right because you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Then we'll go from there. It's about developing the music instead of just slapping a sticker on it and pushing it out there. I don't want a hard sell. They asked what the live show would be like, and JC replied, a spectacle. <laughs> it makes me so sad that this didn't work out because he was so into it. Like they asked what is the show going to be like, and he goes, a spectacle. <laughs> I love him. Okay. So he said, a spectacle. If there's one thing that I love as an entertainer, it's a spectacle. We have all looked up to either Michael Jackson or Madonna or Janet Jackson or any one of those things. When I was in NSYNC, I would watch any concert video ever and really drink it all in. For me, the bigger the better. That's essentially why I am working in a group that is bigger. I would love to have a stage show that is bigger. If you're going to go out, you might as well go big. So when I started doing research for this episode and I was going back and looking at Girl Radical, I thought to myself, this would have worked better as a reality show. Almost like if America's Next Top Model didn't eliminate anybody. Like if America's Next Top Model was just about 12 models living in a house together while working on one big campaign or something like that, that's what I think the Girl Radical reality show would be. And I thought, I wonder why they didn't do anything like that. Now they did have a YouTube channel where they would post behind the scenes footage and interviews, stuff so we could get to know the girls. But Megan, who was one of the girls in Girl Radical, she did an interview where she mentioned that they were going to do a reality show and then it didn't work out. JC, in an interview with Lance, said that they actually did do a web series but I don't think that the web series was ever posted because the videos that are on the Girl Radical channel are not any type of series. They're all just random videos, except for, I guess, the short little interviews that they do. But there's definitely not a web series on there. So I kind of think that their best shot at success was taken away from 
them for some reason. I don't know if JC or Jimmy decided they didn't want to go down that road, but I think that it would have been a really interesting reality show, actually, and if they couldn't get any networks to do it, just put it up on YouTube. Because I think that it's almost more interesting to see how Girl Radical would even work rather than it is to see their actual music videos. I know that's kind of rude to say, but I'm just more interested in how did you even coordinate this many people to all do this certain track. In that same interview with JC, Lance asks a question that's kind of funny, but also I think we were all wondering it, which is, is there an 11-part harmony? <laughs> that's like one of those joke questions that's actually not a joke because you're like, wait, how is this really done? JC laughed and said, no, it's not an 11-part harmony. We double and triple up on parts, but we do. We stack everybody on the choruses to make it the way we want that big sound. So that's why when you hear the choruses, you hear a million voices on that melody. JC also told Lance about doing this project with Jimmy. Now, as a reminder, I know I've told you guys this before, but remember, Jimmy Harry is the one who is still working with JC and is right now working with him on the two different musicals that he has had in development for a while. One is called Wonderland and the other one is called Playing With Fire. And the clips on my Instagram in the reels section are clips from some of the songs from Playing With Fire. That was the purpose of performing in Ojai that night that I met him was to preview some of the songs from Playing With Fire. So I find this part of the interview interesting because obviously they have a great working relationship if they're still working on things all these years later. So JC said, Jimmy was the right fit. I've known him for 10 years. He was a songwriting partner of mine for many years and essentially we were just kind of scratching our heads and we wanted to do something different and new. We were just as bored as everyone else was with the status quo and so this is what we brainstormed and put together. Jimmy, he's amazing. As far as this group, it fits his wheelhouse perfectly. He's had so much success with female artists like Kelly Clarkson, Pink, Madonna, and Britney Spears. If anyone understands the female sound, it's Jimmy Harry. Lance asked if JC was going to sing on any of Girl Radical's songs, and he kind of beat around the bush and diverted the question. Like, at some point, he just wanted no attention on himself, and he said that he actually doesn't care about the way that he sounds anymore, which, ugh, I know he cares now because I saw him perform, and trust me, he cares. I mean, that was not a performance of somebody who didn't care. He said that he knows that sounds silly to people, but the only thing I care about is this band. I'm so interested in what they are doing and I'm captivated by how much fire they have. Remember when we were young and we like needed it so bad? And Lance says, oh yeah. And JC says, that's what I see when I see all these people. They are innovative. They are thinking about ways to get themselves out there. That's inspiring for me and I want it even more for them. He was so sweet and dedicated to this project. I mean, who would not want to be on a ship that JC is steering in the music industry? Like, even though this ended up not working out, I still am proud of him. In October 2013, Girl Radical released their first real single that was their song. It's called Don't Get Me Wrong. And they also did a video for this that is fun, but there's just something 
off about it. Like, I don't know how to describe it. The thing that I thought was crazy is I had no idea about the age limit because when I saw this video, I thought these girls were like 25. I thought they were older. And I'm not saying they look old. There's nothing wrong with the way they look. They are beautiful women. But this video is very childish. Like, they're playing Twister and they're surrounded by candy and it's like they all live in this big house and they're just running around and acting very immature in a fun way, not not in an annoying way to me anyway. But they all seem older and I think it's because of the styling of the time. I just would have liked to see them look more like young girls if that's what you're going to market to. If you're going to have them literally like eating candy and stuff, then I feel like the styling should be more like, hey, we're, we're just regular teen girls or very early 20s that happen to be talented. I feel like showing them in a mansion, it's just not relatable. And it also kind of gave the impression that they all lived in this big mansion together, which also would have been great for a reality show, but I don't think they actually did. So it was just a weird video on top of the fact that there's just too many girls to keep track of. However, I think that this song would have been great if it had been released like 12 years earlier. It's not a bad song. It's a fun song. The girls sound great. This song and then the one that they released in 2014 called You and Me Against the World, both of these songs would have been great in like 2000, 2001, 2002. When I listen to these songs, what I picture is like Lindsay Lohan or Hilary Duff in a montage where they're getting ready for school or getting ready for their first date with a guy. Just very innocent, girly, fun music. It would have been great on a soundtrack for like 13 going on 30 or something for the 13-year-old scenes. But to be released in 2013, I I don't I don't understand why this is the direction they went in. Maybe it was JC trying to bring back that early 2000 sound, which obviously I'm all for. Here I am a huge NSYNC fan, but I don't know. It just did not work at this time and it's unfortunate because I imagine that JC put a ton a ton of work into this and most likely invested his own money in this group. And the music that they released just didn't do much. It did not click with audiences in the way that they were hoping. And then Girl Radical just kind of disappeared. There was no announcement about it or anything, which I think some of us fans were disappointed because, like I said, we are always so ready to jump in and support JC, even if it is a project that seems like, oh my gosh, how is this going to work? I think they basically just disbanded without doing an announcement because it wasn't working and, you know, what are they going to say or what is JC going to come out and say? Unfortunately, this didn't work. We're giving up on the band, you know? It's kind of a hard thing to admit. Who knows what exactly happened, but I don't think that we need details when it's just that the music did not hit it big. The videos didn't catch on. They didn't have a huge amount of fans. It really was mainly people that love JC and love NSYNC saying, hey, let's support these girls because of that. And if they had had shows, if they had released an album, I would have gone. I would have totally continued supporting JC. Like I said, the music isn't bad. It's just not amazing or super memorable. And so I think that the concept was the thing here that was more memorable. And I just think that if that had been delivered through a reality TV show format, it would have been a lot easier for people to get into that. And 
And then if you sold, kind of like with the Ashley Simpson show and Newlyweds, you know, if, if you sell them as people first, we love the music so much more. So that's where I think they went wrong with this. But who am I to say? I think everything happens for a reason. And if Girl Radical had become this huge group, I think JC would have had a lot less time to focus on his own work. And we probably wouldn't have these musicals coming the way that we do so like I said I think everything happens for a reason but it's still sad this didn't go any further for JC, Jimmy, and the girls. So also in 2013 of course NSYNC performed for the first time in 10 years on the MTV Video Music Awards but I already covered that way back when I did an episode about the NSYNC hiatus. So if you haven't heard that one, go back and listen. I just didn't want you guys to think that I forgot that since I am going in chronological order here. In 2014, JC had the opportunity to work with one of the most iconic musicians of all time, Smokey Robinson. Now, Smokey was working on an album called Smokey and Friends where he re-recorded a bunch of his older songs and in invited different singers to come and join him on the re-records and JC was one of three singers he invited to come do the legendary hit My Girl. Now this is so 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 wonderful and so exciting that JC got to do this. There was also a performance live on Good Morning America that is still on YouTube so you can check that out. I remember when I initially read the press release I think it was for this Back when this happened, I was so excited. I was like, oh my god, JC's working with a music legend. This is huge. I didn't think it would just be a one-off thing. And I didn't think that it would feature JC as little as it did. I mean, I don't want to be negative and say that this was disappointing. Like, it's still so amazing. JC got chosen out of every singer in, in the world. He's one of the very few that got chosen by Smokey Robinson for this. And I think that's amazing. But... I remember when it came out and like listening to it and I'm like, okay, but when is JC going to sing, you know, and he just isn't on the track that much. He just really isn't. And I don't know why the track needed four singers on a lot of the other parts of the album. Smokey just had one other singer. So I just wish he did this with JC or he did another song, just him and JC. It was almost like a tease, you know, because it was just like we get a little tiny bit of JC and it's like this amazing opportunity for him, but it was just over as fast as it happened. And, you know, these are definitely some very lean times for JC fans. So it just kind of sucks to get all excited to see him on the song and then he's just not really in it that much, you know, it's disappointing. But I'm so happy for him that he got to do this. Obviously, it's not all about our reaction to it. I just wish he could have had a little bit more spotlight that he deserves, but I think we all know JC likes not having all the spotlight on him, so it's fine. He talked to Billboard magazine about working with Smokey, and he said that it was a privilege to sing any one of his songs. You are talking about someone who installed some of the foundations of Motown, and Motown is really a foundation for what music is built on today. My girl is so recognizable, I was more than excited to be a part of it. Of course, being a part of it in any way, shape, or form, even if you're not featured that much on the track, still so exciting, still so awesome, and 
JC spit some facts right there about how Smokey really was one of the people that kind of determined what music would be like after that. I mean, he's so legendary. Also in 2014, JC had another movie that he was a part of come out. It's called Red Sky. And first of all, JC, not to sound like a bop magazine in 1999 but let me just tell you that jc is in fact shirtless in this movie that's all i'm saying when he's not shirtless he is wearing a uniform wielding a gun it's just very different from what we're used to seeing jc do listen to the description of this movie a disgraced fighter pilot called butch masters leads a rogue squadron to recover a weapon of mass destruction just not what i would have expected jc to do The movie stars Bill Pullman, Shane West, Rachel Lee Cook. Unfortunately, it only has an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it didn't exactly get Oscar buzz, but (laughs) that's okay. Not everything can. And this is just the depressing part of the episode because now I have to talk about another thing that JC did that I'm sure he put everything into that did not work out. And I am very sad to report these things, but I must. That is my job. So you may have heard of the musical Jesus Christ Superstar. It's one of the most successful, enduring, long-running, iconic, legendary musicals of all time, of course, by Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice. Now, they were reviving Jesus Christ Superstar to bring it out in a national tour, and the idea was to cast famous singers in the lead roles because it is a rock musical, so it's not as traditionally... Broadway style as you may think, especially this particular production. So they cast Brandon Boyd from Incubus, Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child, John Lydon from The Sex Pistols, and of course, Mr. J.C. Chazay. J.C. was set to play the role of Pontius Pilate, who has a very big, very dramatic part in the musical so if you're not familiar with this this is literally the story of Jesus I mean it's like him getting crucified and all that stuff so Pontius Pilate if I remember correctly I haven't seen Jesus Christ Superstar in so long but he has a dream about what's going to happen to Jesus and he oversees the entire thing and then he tries to get Jesus to like defend himself against the angry mob but he doesn't because he's like no everything everything is is predetermined by god i have to do this i have to die and it's just surreal because the dream that pontius had comes true and he has some really good songs that he does it's just so frustrating that this didn't work out because i think jc's voice is so perfect for theater like it is such a amazing revelation that he's been working on these two musicals and that we will most likely get to see him working in that space because let's just say there's a lot of pop stars from the late 90s early 2000s that could not (laughs) hold up in a Broadway show or a theatrical production they might be able to do pop music but they wouldn't be able to hold their own every night on stage that's the real 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 best of the best that can do that and JC 
is that. In fact, he didn't even have to audition for this. They just offered it to him, which thank you. Thank you, whoever made that decision. You have taste. It's just so disappointing that this didn't work out. And by the way, this wasn't just something that they were trying to get off the ground. This was officially happening. There were over 50 tour dates released. People bought tickets. They were on different shows promoting it. Brandon Boyd even performed one of the songs that he would be performing in the show on Good Morning America. It was super disappointing that JC wasn't a part of that because we don't have any recordings of him playing Pontius, which sucks. It just would have been everything to see JC in a role like this. Like he would be able to flex so many of his extremely talented muscles like he uh i don't know just the acting the singing the passion the drama of this story like it's just it just would have been so phenomenal and i cannot imagine what a disappointment it was when this did not work out it makes me so sad Christ superstar he's gonna play pontius pilot oh so God. i'm excited rob's excited yeah. how about you on a scale of one to ten where's your excitement level i mean i'm kind of at a 12 you know really <laughs> 12 out of 10 yeah man it's look you know, when I got the call to, to see, you know, if I was interested in being a part of this, I, I mean, it was, it was kind of overwhelming. I mean, you're talking about one of the most popular stories in human history. Some of the greatest storytellers of our time, you know, uh, Weber and Rice coming together. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then they tell me the cast that they that they want to they make a part of this thing. And you're talking about Brandon Boyd playing Judas and Michelle Williams playing um, Mary. And you're talking about you know, John Lloyd or Johnny Rotten uh, playing King Herod, and, and you're going, whoa, and then to meet this amazing uh, theater actor, Ben Forster, who's actually taking on the role of Jesus and, and does a wonderful job doing so, I mean, I was, I was excited. From, from, the very, from the very layman perspective, they go, okay, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But there's a story behind that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is an opportunity to tell that story from a perspective. So what happened? We don't really know. So Ben Forster, who I think he had won a reality TV show in the UK, he was set to play Jesus. He came out and said how disappointed that he was that they didn't even give him an explanation or any type of warning that this was happening, which is insane. I mean, he's the lead of the show and they're not even explaining why his dream and his job for the next year probably was canceled. I mean, this is something that could have gone on for years and years if it was successful. And so he said, for me, it was the American dream about to happen. What's that Miley Cyrus song, Wrecking Ball? I feel like someone just came in and took a big wrecking ball to the Jesus Christ Superstar Tour. There's really not a lot of information about what happened, but the New York Times did report that the ticket sales were not supporting the overall cost of the show. That was according to an email from the tour's promoter, Michael Cole, who was a producer of the infamous Broadway debacle, Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. That was <laughs> that was an interesting time. But when the producers released a statement about it getting canceled, they literally just said, it's canceled and you're going to get a refund. That's it. There was no explanation as to why 
And I guess it makes sense, you know, they probably wanted this show to be, as JC would have put it, a spectacle. And they might have put all their eggs in the basket of their celebrities in this. Plus, Jesus Christ Superstar is one of the biggest musicals of all time. People are going to want to come see this. But unfortunately, I guess the sales just weren't there. Because even if there was something else that went wrong that caused this, ultimately, if the sales were crazy, they would have made it work. Like, that's how show business or any business really works, you know? It's like, even if there are things going wrong, if you're making a fortune, it's like you got to keep that train going. And so this is all alleged. I don't know what happened, but I assume it was something related to that. And this is just so disappointing. I really thought that after this, JC would maybe try to find a different role in a theatrical production, if not a tour, maybe something on Broadway, or even LA has a small theater scene, something because his voice is just so perfect for this type of setting. So could not be more excited about the musicals that he has been working on, especially if the songs that I saw him perform in Ojai or any indication he is going to blow the roof off of the place. Now, I know that he's not necessarily going to be playing a starring role or anything. At least that's what he was saying last year. But we don't know. Things could change. I do wonder if he might change his mind if they have investors that are interested in investing in these musicals with the condition that JC has to play the lead role or one of the lead roles, you know? Because that often is a condition with these type of things is you have to have a star attached. And especially with NSYNC getting so much press last year and then being kind of back for a little while. And then who knows what's happening in the future with NSYNC. I don't know. I could see a situation where they're like, hey, we need you to perform more than one song in this musical. Like you're a star and you're fucking amazing. So again, that's just speculation. I mean, if I had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars just laying around, I might give JC's people a call myself and say, hey, dude, I'll finance this entire thing, but I need you to play either the Frankenstein monster or I need you to play Victor. Like, that's just, those are my terms and conditions. So to quote that meme, if I won the lottery, I wouldn't tell anyone, but there would be signs. In 2015, JC did something extremely... <laughs> illegal which is he performed with my favorite band Hanson on stage and I was not there I I still haven't forgiven myself for this it is the biggest mistake I've ever made in my entire life not going especially because it was at Red Rocks but I also didn't even know about this because when JC performs he it's not something that he announces online and says okay everybody come see me I'm going to be doing a song with a blues traveler which is the whole purpose of this event, JC was working on a song with Blues Traveler called Blow Up the Moon. Again, this was a collab album, so another situation where an iconic artist contacted JC and wanted to work with him and make him a part of a collabs album that they were doing. I think that that's pretty impressive. I really like Blow Up the Moon. Again, it wasn't just JC on the track. It was 303 as well, which is like, can JC just be on it? I really like the one that they did with Hanson, though. Top of the world. I really like that one a little bit better, to be honest. But I just think it's iconic that JC did a song with Blues Traveler, especially because you would not expect 
that collab. That's not the first thing that you would think of when you would say to yourself, who should JC collaborate with, you know? And anytime an artist like him who is so talented and so multifaceted in so many different areas gets to try something new, it's a win. He also co-produced the song on this album that features the plain white tees. It's called Nikki as Prom. But you guys, the performance. <laughs> this was on the 4th of July, 2015. I just can't describe so blues traveler got on stage hansen joined them and jc and other people too right i mean this was like a party so not only did they perform the songs that they did with blues traveler but they also performed bye 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 which was just my life flashing before my eyes like it's just Please go watch this. There's so many different videos of it on YouTube from fans that were there. And it was just so, I'm going to say it again, iconic because it was at Red Rocks, which if you don't know that venue, look it up. It's this, it's one of the most beautiful venues in the world. It's in Colorado with the famous Red Rocks and it's outdoors and just absolutely stunning. And I mean, thank God I was in the right place at the right time for Ojai because I missing this was bad enough so here's what john popper from blues traveler said about jc jc shazay was producing the thing we did with plain white tees and he helped us work out a four-part harmony you know you got somebody from in sync telling you how to sing harmonies it's kind of a cool thing for us we never get access to these people so interesting right that somebody legendary like john popper would be saying hey we need your help jc <laughs> you're part of one of the best five-part harmonies in history so his expertise was really invaluable the guitarist chan kinchla said in a separate interview that nobody should belittle the collaboration with jc just because he may be seen as like a teen pop icon and not a serious artist he said shazay is a very musical because nsync sang all those harmonies and it's all theory based you need to know how music's put together to be able to do that nsync is such a big pop phenomena that it might be easy to think it was just overproduced but singing is singing he really knows the musical side of things i think his pop sensibility is kind of cool we're usually a little more rock oriented it was neat to get that sensibility especially Especially with us and plain white tees. He was great at getting the vibe right. John Popper added, We did two songs with 303. He sang on the third verse of one and he murdered it. <laughs> of course. So we kind of sort of got another performance from JC in 2015. In October, he was in London with Dallas Austin. And it's a very short clip, but we get some of JC singing another legendary song with a little help from my friends by the Beatles. So go look that up, please. I cannot include music clips in these podcasts or else I would, but just trust me, you wanna hear it. As usual, he sounds amazing. This is nothing new. Another tease for us, but at least we got something. On June 4th, 2016, a film called Opening Night opened in Los Angeles, and this movie stars none other than JC. So, <laughs> you guys, I had never seen this before, which I knew was a huge blind spot as a JC stan, and so many fans were like, I can't believe you haven't seen that. You have to see that. He's so good in it. And you guys, Tell me why I watched like 40 minutes of another movie waiting for JC. 
you don't understand. I am a total movie buff, cinephile, whatever you want to call it. I am well-versed in finding movies on different streaming apps and stuff. But there is another movie called Opening Night that came out right around the same time. So it's also the same year. And it's about a high school production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. And because JC, when he does these movies, he's often just has a small part. I didn't think anything of it that I wasn't seeing him. And I was just working on my computer during it, waiting for him to show up. And then all of a sudden it occurred to me, I was like, wait, I haven't seen any of the other stars that are supposed to be in this either because there are a lot of recognizable faces in it like Topher Grace and Anne Heche. And I was like, where are the celebrities? And then I realized I was watching the wrong movie. So please don't make the same mistake I did. No offense to the other opening night, but we want JC. Anyway, if you haven't seen this movie and you're an NSYNC or JC fan, it is absolutely a must, okay? You have to watch this. I watched it for free with ads on the app Voodoo, which is the one that's like V-U-D-U. It is such a testament to JC's sense of humor that he even took this role. So if you haven't seen this, this is not like other things that he's acted in where he's in it for two minutes. This is a real role. Like he has a supporting role, but he's in it a lot and he sings a lot in it. I didn't know that he sings in this. I had no idea, okay? He sings a lot in it. And my favorite part is when he sings She's Like the Wind by Patrick Swayze. It's just him and the guitar. Oh my God, beautiful, beautiful scene. Now, the premise of this is that there's this Broadway show about one hit wonders called One Hit Wonderland. JC plays himself, but it's like a Twilight Zone version of himself where he is just so self-obsessed. His whole dressing room is like pictures of himself, in sync memorabilia. And one of the funniest things about his character is he constantly references his past so he'll throw in a joke or a reference to bye 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 or it's gonna be me and JC just delivers these lines so flawlessly with the perfect amount of irony he's genuinely genuinely funny and of course the singing is always a sleigh like just amazing but then he does have this scene where he gets vulnerable and I have to say I truly believe that JC is happy in his life I don't think he envies Justin at all I don't think he looks at Justin and says oh that could have been me I I could have had that career I really don't. I think he is good. I think he chose his path. I don't think he was forced down that path. I think he loves it and he's happy having a quieter life. That's the impression that I get from my research. However, there's a moment in this movie where he says, I'm the other guy from NSYNC. Nobody cares anymore. And there is a level of truth to that, right? Because despite him being seemingly very happy in his life, What does it do to somebody's mind? And this goes for all the other members of NSYNC too. When you have that level of fame and attention and just constant, intense, grueling work and millions of people obsessed with you and screaming your name and you're literally so big that you're breaking records and then all of a sudden it just stops. It just stops. That's really a lot for somebody. I think that JC, just with his personal personality, I think that he's able to look at it and say, I'm so happy I experienced that once. What an amazing, rare experience that was. But I'm happy not to have that anymore. 
I have a great career. I don't need to chase that big fame. Whereas his character in this movie, the fictionalized JC, is someone who definitely is still wishing that they were up there on that pedestal of superstardom and just uses this cocky attitude to hide the fact that they're actually really sad and insecure. Like I said, I don't think that's the way JC is in real life, but it's just such a good dramatization because there's truth to it, but there's also fiction, so it's perfect for the movie. And I just really, really enjoyed this. So this was directed by Isaac Rentz and Jack Henry Robbins, and they did an interview talking about JC. And they were asked, J.C. Chazay seems to have a self-deprecating sense of humor that was necessary for the role. Was it written for him or did you just need to find a former pop star who was willing and capable? I mean, I think even being called a former pop star, like that must be difficult, right? Because to me, J.C. is still a pop star because he's still a star. Like he's still a celebrity famous for being a member of NSYNC, but obviously NSYNC doesn't exist anymore, so I don't know. Just an interesting distinction. They said that part was hard to cast because the actor needed to be a person who could play themselves, was willing to joke about their career, and was able to sing and dance. There are maybe 10 people in Hollywood who fit that description. JC was perfect because he was so willing to put himself out there. In the movie, he plays a creepy version of himself, but in real life, he's a very thoughtful, down-to-earth guy. It was so surreal to direct musical sequences starring someone I used to watch on TRL when I was a kid. They also added that they cut a scene where JC's character ends up at a Hollywood orgy where everyone is dressed up like a dog. The music was going to be an orchestral version of Who Let the Dogs Out sung in the style of a meatloaf ballad. The dogs were going to be in eyes wide shut masks and everyone was going to be on drugs. It was supposed to be the moment his character hits rock bottom, but we thought maybe it went too far. <laughs> as amazing as that would have been to see, I think cutting that was the correct decision. There's already stuff in this movie that you just would never expect JC to do. Again, I love the way that he has branched out and really had this multifaceted career. So definitely check this movie out. This is the most acting JC has done since the Mickey Mouse Club. And I absolutely love this for him. I hope that he will be acting on stage, possibly in the musicals that he's written, A Girl Can Dream. In 2017, there were a lot of great songs by other artists that came out where JC had a writing, a production credit, or both. And I'm not going to talk about all of them just because, as I said before, there's so many, but... I really want to encourage you guys to listen to some of these and even buy them if you're so inclined so that we can support JC. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of info about some of my faves. So there is this artist named Natalia Avalon and they did a song together called Talking to Strangers and I love the darker vibe of this one. I think this is one of my favorites that he has worked on. The song is kind of about all the things you do to like anesthetize yourself when you go through a breakup and I love the lyric, I'm talking to strangers to keep me away from you. It just brought so many visuals in my mind. Like this is a very cinematic or theatrical song which is right in JC's wheelhouse. We've been saying that for so long about him. And I just feel like this song is so good at evoking emotions. Like I can literally picture this woman going out of her mind, going crazy, doing everything she can not to contact her ex to the point where she's 
going out and getting into dangerous situations and like meeting other people and just anything, anything to not go back to the ex, which is what she wants to do more than anything. Love that song. JC has definitely dabbled in a lot of K-pop in recent years and he did this song called High School Boo, which I love that, by the group XOX. It's so fun and catchy. It's probably more in line with what people would expect someone from NSYNC to do in the future, like work with other boy bands and stuff like that. So that's a cute one. There's another group called Exile the Second, and JC did a song with them called Shelly. And this one is so cool. It's really bluesy and soulful. It has an R&B vibe that kind of reminds me of Give In To Me, which is the song that NSYNC performed at their very first show at Pleasure Island that JC co-wrote. It doesn't sound like that song, but it's in the same neighborhood as far as the feel of the song goes. And I really wish... JC would do more of these R&B slow jams. There's this male solo artist called Ghostin. It's spelt like Ghostan. I'm not 100% sure how to say that, but when I looked up his bio on Spotify, it said, no bio, it's just about music. (laughs) Which is a little cringe, but also so JC. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if these guys are besties now because that's just so JC. Like, don't talk about me. Don't put any attention on me. Just listen to my music. And I really like this one. It has an indie rock feel because he is an indie artist. And I was really struck by the lyric. I never said I'm in love with you, but I can't take back the things lovers do. I was like, whoa, do you ever hear a lyric and it sounds so obvious? You're just like, how has nobody else written this lyric before? Like, it's just so perfect and articulates a feeling or a situation so well. I mean, we don't know if JC wrote that exact lyric himself since these are all collaborations, but I wouldn't be surprised because he's a genius. So I really like that one as well. There's this other song called Fuel by the artist Brandon Burnett and I loved this one. This could totally come out today. It reminded me actually of Selfish by Justin Timberlake. That was the first song that I thought of when I heard this one so check those out. Give those a listen. As I said I'm going to post the playlist in the show notes that Anna from This Must Be Pop made so thank you again to Anna for that. In March of 2018, JC performed with Darren Chris at his 90s-themed birthday party. He performed I Want You Back and Tear Not My Heart, which can you imagine you're at this party and I, I mean, I just, I'm unwell with this. I was, I was unwell when I heard this news. I was like, oh my god. JC got up on stage and said, When you're Darren Chris, you can call people when you're eating pancakes this morning and invite them to a 90s party. And while you're at it, you have to sing. So JC said that he called him that morning. That See, that's shocking. I would think that JC would never last minute go do a performance of an NSYNC song. I know he's friends with Darren, but it's just so interesting to me that he never performs. And then all it takes is Darren Chris calling and saying, Hey, come do NSYNC songs on stage with me tonight at my birthday party. And he does it? Like, JC, please. I I mean, look, I'm not going to call you. I don't want to invade your privacy. I don't have your number. But 
Can you perform? I'm asking. I know I'm not Darren Chris. I was never on Glee, but I'm asking. Please perform again. Maybe I'm I'm greedy. I got the Ojai show, but we need another one, man. So Darren Chris also said that he can't believe that JC said yes to the idea. And he gave the backstory that it was the 20-year anniversary of NSYNC's first American album. And since there was a 90s theme to the party, he thought it would just be great to have JC there. And he said, I was trying to be nice and have him sing something else because I didn't want to put him in a corner. And he was like, no, I'd rather do something I know the words to. (laughs) And if there's anything he knows the words to, it's his own songs. So that was a pretty special moment. And as we know, JC and his bandmates from NSYNC got a star on the Walk of Fame during this year as well. And I'm going to talk about all of the NSYNC stuff from 2018 and beyond in the next episode, the final episode. So let's talk a little bit about what JC has been up to the past five years or so. Still working behind the scenes on many different songs with a lot of different artists. In 2019, JC had a few other songs that came out that he was involved with. Oh my goodness, The Force of Gravity by BT. You guys, this is basically a techno electronica masterpiece. Like, let's just call it what it is. Again, so different for JC. I'm so happy that he has a friend and collaborator in BT and he can work on things like this. It's just awesome also to know that a working relationship that started during NSYNC is still going on in JC's life. There's another song called Diamond Love by Danny Nassim. I could totally see Britney doing this song. This to me reminds me of something that would have been on Glory but as a bonus track. And then he did this other song called Truth with Taman, which also kind of sounds to me like a song that NSYNC would do in the present day. And JC even sings backup on this one, so that's a treat. In 2020, there were some songs released that truly are, I think, some of the best that I've heard from JC's writing and production career. My favorite is called Rollin' by the artist Alex Harris, and I truly think this is one of the best songs JC has worked on. It's absolutely timeless, where I feel like some of the other ones are not timeless, like they're very much of the time, but this is like a very timeless Bill Withers type of jam, and Alex has such a soulful amazing voice. I was truly impressed by this. So there's another K-pop song. It's called Moon Dance by Newest. This is a South Korean boy band with five members. So it's giving the Korean version of NSYNC. I absolutely love this song. They sing in English and Korean. And again, this really to me sounds like something similar to what NSYNC would sound like today. Of course, we don't really know what that would be like, but for me, when I hear this, it sounds like an updated current in sync. Then there's another boy band. He did the song called Tongue. (laughs) So, so perfect for JC. I mean, I'm surprised he didn't have a song called Tongue on Schizophrenic, you know, and the group is called Here at Last, and it's another five guy boy band. This is an independent group from the UK. JC co-wrote this and I actually really like the concept of it it's called tongue I mean obviously it's a double entendre this is 
pop music, but <laughs> it's called tongue because they're saying like, I'm so obsessed with you that you're on the tip of my tongue. Like that, you know, that feeling when there's like something that you want to, you want to say it's on the tip of your tongue, but you can't say it. I just thought that was a good analogy to use for a song. Again, another one that I don't remember hearing before. So bravo. That's me clapping. JC is just continually putting out great music. It might not be under your name, but you're constantly putting out good music and we appreciate that. Speaking of working with boy bands, during lockdown, Gary Barlow from the group Take That, does anybody remember them? I don't remember anything about them. I just remember seeing them in the teen magazines. But JC and Gary know each other and Gary was doing this little series of Instagram lives called the crooner sessions from his house during quarantine which was a huge hit with fans and he invited JC on to do a live with him oh my god it's so good again a total tease because it's so short but if you haven't seen this please go type into YouTube Gary Barlow JC Shazay because it truly was a light in the dark of our quarantine and the comments on the YouTube video, it's so good. Like everyone is just panicking over JC, which has been my constant state since 1998. So I understand this one commenter said, came here for JC, not knowing the song, heard JC's flawless voice, listened on repeat, left memorizing the song word for word. JC's impact. It's a crime we only hear his voice for a minute and only when people invite him for a duet. Truly a crime. Another person said, honestly, this very video made me discover J.C. Shazay. Oh my god, he is so talented. When there's lots and lots of mediocre artists out there, it makes me really sad that this extraordinary talent isn't the star. As a singer, dancer, movie star, he should do love songs like this, acoustic, with guitar and or piano only. That's when his lovely voice comes through and goes right into your heart. He shouldn't worry about not being like his 20-year-old self as he was in in sync. Do you hear me, Joshua? You obviously still got it. We need to hear your voice. I think this is my favorite comment. It says, JC is so nice. He chose a Gary Barlow slash take that song and didn't even try to outsing Gary. He just blended so well with him. Such a good guy. Pure voice, pure heart. True. That's another reason why you want JC on your squad is because he's not going to try to steal focus. JC is that person that understands that you never want to be the best person in an okay group. You want to be one member of a group where everybody is outstanding. And I think NSYNC really showed that, despite what some people say where they're like not appreciating the other three guys, but... That's probably the most attractive thing about JC. He doesn't need attention. He doesn't crave attention the way that so many people in his position probably would. JC gave a quote to Variety about this live, and he said that singing with Barlow was a quote, bucket list moment. I've always been a fan of Take That, and Gary and I have a close relationship. This was the perfect way to feel connected creatively while staying at home. It almost felt like we were in the same place recording. In August of 2022, JC got a TikTok and he posted the one video that he has on there still to this day and he put in the bio, enjoy this one piece of content. So we're not exactly expecting anything <laughs> new from him in the future on there, but this 
honestly made the internet go crazy because first of all, JC really let his gray hair grow in. So he just looked a lot different than people had seen in a while. Like this definitely reached beyond the sync fandom. And it was just, I think, really surprising for people. I personally think the gray hair is hot. I mean, when I met him, he had his dark hair, but he had some grays that had grown in. I think he looks so good no matter what. Like I genuinely think he has aged so perfectly. Like he still looks like himself, unlike a lot of people in this business. He didn't look old at all with more gray, in my opinion. Like he looked older, but it's not like he looked like a grandpa or something. I don't know why it was such a big deal, but JC, you look amazing no matter what. And please post a TikTok. Post another TikTok of you just playing the guitar or something or just playing the piano. We would love, like, we would live. Even if you only did it, like, once every two months, just post a random video of you singing and playing the guitar, playing piano, playing anything. Play the harp, play the harpsichord, play the trombone. I don't care. Just anything with music. Just, actually, just anything. Just post anything. That's my request. So that is where I am going to cut it off for today, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. This was one of the hardest episodes in the series to do because there were just so many projects over the years and random things to go through. So I really appreciate everybody's patience on this. The next episode, we are going to talk about all the things that happened with NSYNC from 2018 till the present and give some final thoughts on JC, where he is in his life and career right now. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's almost the end, but I'm really excited to bring that episode to you guys. So thank you again so much for listening. I love you guys. Have a wonderful day. Stream schizophrenic. (laughs) And I'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Ashley and Jessica cast. I'm your host, Leah Russo. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Capriya Moon. That's at C-A-P-R-I-A-M-O-O-N. And follow the podcast at Ashley and Jessica cast on Instagram and at Ashley Jessica cast on Twitter. Please let me know your thoughts on the show. I would absolutely love to hear Ashley and Jessica cast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.